Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ben, do you want to get us back onto the track of the adventure? I don't, I don't, David, I, I don't know how. <laughs> Friendship is forever. Friendship never ends. It doesn't matter what time you're in, you're still a dragon friend. A fucking dragon friend. The third age is an age of order, of control, and of absolute obedience to the one they call the controller. Cassus the Archmage entombed within his flying citadel of Never that benevolently watches over the suffering people of New Islandar, forced to siphon off precious life force to maintain Never's failing systems. This is a people whose lives are piteous and wretched, but they do it with devotion for the promise of something more, a life eternal in the service of four gods that they call the Dragon Friends. Those gods are back, and the situation is quickly deteriorating. The Basilica of the Bastonets is occupied by troller forces. The Philgites have been exiled from their ancestral homes. The Frisomites cut each other open for the right to be the first to kill their own god. But one sect we have seen very little of, that secretive shadow cult of the god of secrets, devotees of one Robert Pancake's halfling scoundrel. With a gathering of followers of every faith, you have made your way even now towards the House of Pancakes, traveling those secret stoneways of the Philgites. There is blood on the streets. A priestess is imprisoned, a Netherese lodestone identified in the wastelands beyond the city, and a halfling, Jeremiah Sneed, second shadow of the reformed order of Pancakeians, is waiting for you as you step out of the stoneways into what looks like an abandoned workyard. Hello. Sneed. Sneed. That's such a so that has changed the genre of this this reveal significantly, Ben. So okay, you you walk you all step out of the stoneways into now what seems like quite a strangely abandoned workyard, <laughs> the center of which is a sort of Dickensian figure, I suppose. Yeah. A a halfling with little silver buckles on his shoes. Fingers so, gloves. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is he wearing a, a tail top coat hat that's been opened by a, a can opener? Yeah. So much on his face. He's yeah. got a top hat that the that has so obviously been opened by a can opener that a can opener is embedded in it. Three quarters of the way around. With a knife and fork. <laughs> and it's full of beans. It's and a shoe like full a natty, of beans. It's got like a natty little, um, you know, suit on with tails. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the, the artful Jeremiah Sneed, second shadow of the Cult of Secrets. Does he have a little cricket living in his hat? Yes. We have two NPC <laughs> We have two NPC performers. Eden has always famously played the second rank NPCs. And yes, he has a little cricket in his hat. The cricket's name is Ella Munster Trotwood. Goodness and me. he's got an even smaller suit on with an even smaller hat. Yep. And he lives inside the hat. All hail the House of Pancakes. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Sneed, hello. How do you know my name? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you identified yourself when you were you were one of the spies oh, that's that true. was in the basilica. We must not tarry. We must not what? That's what he said. He said he says we must not tarry. Must not. Okay. Let's let's where where are we going? What does tarry mean? <laughs> yeah, what tarry mean? Dilly dally. That's how you're gonna that's how you're gonna explain tarry is by saying dilly dally. <laughs> What, What's tarry, name? dilly dally, um, lollygag. We mustn't tarry. Um, we mustn't bluff and stuff. Oh, we can't dip snap here. There's things to be a mumpton. Sorry, I didn't realise that Dragon Friends was now written by J.K. Rowling. <laughs> or Charles Dickens. Quick, there is violence upon us. Come with me if you want to live, he says. <laughs> Sorry, what? Um, I follow him. 
He's been John, psyching himself go. up for that moment for ages because you've took you've taken longer than he thought you would, and he's really just <laughs> flubbed. He's flubbed basically everything, but he's still got a cheerful disposition to spring in his step as he takes you through um, uh, lanes and streets and avenues and parkways and uh, crescents. Wow, is this all? Is this all in the warehouse? I know. So Ben, the, the, the stoneways has taken them to the warehouse. So uh-huh. he can try and lose them now or confuse them about the whereabouts. But this is definitely wasted energy. Well, he's got a little side hustle where he does a ghost tour, and he thought he could. <laughs> he thought he could get one of those in before. Yeah, sure. Is it the kind Sorry, where they it, ask for tips at the end? They They're do. Like, so if you've enjoyed the tour, Mister Mister Sneed, Mister Sneed, yeah, is that? Is this a is this an old asylum we found ourselves in? Oh, indeed, it is an old asylum. Uh, used to house the one they called Mad Maggie, and that is the end of the tour. Now, uh, <laughs> if you enjoy, I just thought, like you said, that this was a matter of life and death, and now you've taken us on a ghost tour. What are ghosts but a matter of life and death? Elamunster Trotwood is sort of flipping from person to person with a tiny hat for coins. And he's got a great bit of gear here where he says, and if you enjoyed the tour, please tell your friends. If you didn't, a little bit of shush. (laughs) (laughs) We call this the free fringe. It doesn't mean we don't like to get paid. (laughs) Just to be clear, all the people who who are like followers and stuff who are at the... The temple. Have they come through, or is it? Just yeah, us? and they're so confused. There is there was a revolutionary fever in the air at the beginning of this journey, and then press ganged into a ghost tour. Then Phil Giants, bastonets, and and Pancakians have, have dove out into the warehouse that is clearly adjacent to the House of Pancakes, and you are now doing some kind of poorly conceived ghost. Do you know what it is, Dave? Do you know what it is? And I'm, I've been meaning what to, is it? I've been meaning to raise this with you when, whenever we chat about Dragon Friends, and I always forget in that so many times, I would say nine times out of ten, when I read your spiel, it is so obvious that the first line will be from an NPC I'm playing. Yeah. But it does not go in when I'm reading it until I hear you say it, and then I panic and take them on a ghost <laughs> That's where the pause comes from. That's why there's always That's a pause. pause. Can I say, can I say that the great Craig is loving it? <laughs> <laughs> so Frizo's going to get out his little coin, po- coin purse and go up to Jeremiah and be like, look, I, I don't really know what the, like, what's the going rate on this? Like, I don't know, like a t- two copper coins? Whatever you three can copper coins? spare. Change is as good as a holiday, I say, and this change can take me on a holiday. But let me tell you, we, we love the money that falls, not the money that clings. <laughs> I'll give you like three copper coins, I guess, for ah, this. Very Is that good. Okay? Three copper coins. And Filge leans in and says, that's for the group. <laughs> <laughs> As he takes the money and nods, he looks at you, dusts his fingerless fingers, his fingerful fingers. His fingerless fingers? His fingerful fingers of his fingerless gloves on his natty little lapels and then checking that the coast is clear as he has now established an alibi for all of you. Mm. He knocks three times on a brick on the wall behind him, which recesses slightly and then an entire section of the wall groans and moves open, revealing stairs leading down into the darkness. Now this is good. Alright, let's go. Not part of the tour. Tour's over. Bobby's excited and heads Did anyone die on these stairs? (laughs) I'm not at liberty to say. My ghost tour is done. (laughs) What was that creaking sound I just heard? Yeah. Normal creaking. Ghost mode (laughs) off. If you want to see the show again, guys, come back same time tomorrow. All right. (laughs) This is a very small, cramped... Stairway, and so a lot is it of people. Haunted, Dave? I know us. that. I know that. You would have to find can't tell us, but yeah. you could tell us, Dave. I don't. I can I check. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it. yeah. Yeah. Frieza's going to do a ghost check. Yeah. Okay. What? No. 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 You're not doing a ghost check. I will let. What about a history check of whether anyone has died on those particular stairs in horrifying circumstances? I'll just Weirdly, do a quick little... I'm not going to let you do history checks. And the reason for that is... a little check, Dave. Because, no, I'm going to let you do checks, but I'm not going to let you do a history check because this is an alternate timeline, so there's no way... Banknote could do a history check. I'll do a religion okay, but... check then, I guess? Okay, um... all of you do, do insight checks for me. Ooh, insight. insight. Ooh, I've got good insight. Yes. Well, 18 plus... 
17. 17 total. Dave, so, I got a one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're not sure. Filge, you were following this for a while, but you are not entirely sure what's going on. And Me feel think- shiver on back of neck for sure right now. But also you came out of the stoneways and so you think that you might be back in your normal timeline and everything's sorted and you're back in Daggerford and everything's okay. That is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) That's a one. That does lack insight. Uh, Who rolled? Did anyone roll well? I got 20, Dave. I got 17 as well. Baston and Frizo, you both have the sense that this is fake. It looks not real. As you get closer to this workhouse, you get the sense that it is set dressing rather than an actually disused uh, workyard for some kind of factory and that everything here is artifice. And Everything as you... here looks... Oh, I get it. I see what's going on. I see this is hiding secrets. Very good. Very good, Pancakians. Show yourselves! Now, as I said, this road, this stairwell is quite cramped, so a lot of the rabble that you have brought with you has stay up in the workyard, but there is space for Six Brother Bedford, for Jeremiah Sneed, for the Great Crag to come with you, and, of course, for Edward Piss and Lion Shield Banknote. <laughs> Uh, Edward Pierce, of course, who famously got his dick out at the Capitol Insurrection. Am I getting that right, Hing? <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's I think that's right, Dave. Yes. Okay, thank you. Yes. So all of you make your way down these stairs into suddenly the dust and grime of the workyard disappears, and you find yourself in a very utilitarian space. There is huge drafting tables, like architectural drafting tables, everywhere. Canvas, papers and vellum pinned to the walls. There are sending stones in each corner, large leaden crystal balls that glow with a strange blue light and what even looks like a repurposed uh, ether plug-in station, like the type that you found in the rooms when you first arrived in this world, where ether can be sucked in or out, sitting on a strange spiky throne in the corner, currently un currently abandoned and in the center of the room is a desk and at that desk with his back to you is the figure of a halfling although you can see even from here that his hair is old and sere almost gone a wispy beard is tucked artfully into his shirt so that he will not blot the ink of a giant tome in which he is writing almost mechanically and as you walk into the room he puts up a finger to stop you all from saying something and finishes writing a sentence into his tome, carefully puts a piece of blotting paper between the pages and then closes the tome before turning towards you. hear him mutter, and that's how I got my hat. (laughs) (laughs) Which finger was it, Dave? Uh, It was was an index finger on his right hand. It would be quite rude if it was a middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. That's what I was hoping. Finishing my book. <laughs> <laughs> he turns to face you and you can see that despite the white wizened face, it's clearly a very, very old halfling. However, he, there, his eyes are bright and aware. Welcome. I understand that you've had some difficulties getting here. My... Little birdies have told me that you've been causing quite a ruckus in the streets. And as he says this, Jeremiah Sneed steps forward about to say something. He puts up a finger again and Jeremiah Sneed blanches, goes white and steps right back into the corner of the room. to Which finger was that finger? That was a middle finger. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) Ghost tours. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Don't you have a ghost tour to ruin... (laughs) <laughs> Which is good because it suggests that this guy thinks that ghost tours are good, <laughs> but the Jeremiah Sneed does them badly. Well met, Bobby and Frizo and Filge and Baston. Great Crag, it has been some time since I saw you last. And she just kind of nods. 
You guys used to fuck or what? <laughs> <laughs> That's not something to discuss now. Oh yeah, big time. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We in in Polycule. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, I'm also here. My name is um, Banknote, Lionshield Banknote. This is my associate, um, Edward Piss. Um, You might know him from um, the news where you saw him be arrested for, again, getting his dick out at the Capitol Insurrection. Yes, Banknote, we are familiar with both the activities of you and... Your associate, Mr. Piss. I just feel like Edward Piss is a probably quite qualified academic, and there are other ways to introduce your associate. Mr. Piss, I enjoyed reading your dissertation on the lack of evidence around the stoneways. It had some problems, but it was an enjoyable read nonetheless. What did you think about his hog that he got out? I'm not here to talk about the hog of Edward Piss. Okay, fair enough. Fair Why enough. does that sound like a Charles Dickens story? I mean, that's the title of the podcast, right? That <laughs> <laughs> he didn't finish before he died. <laughs> the mystery of Edwin Drood and the hog of Edward Piss. <laughs> How has our show gotten more stupid? It started out so stupid. And it's yeah, so- I always thought it was our audience who were egging us on to be fucking... I gotta say, I gotta say, look, far be it from me to give Dave, you know, credit yeah. for jokes, you know, on the reg here in this podcast. But I gotta say, the mystery, the mystery of Edwin Drood is such a fucking Charles Dickens deep cut. It's a an on point, and then to go from that to the mystery of Edwin Pisser's hawk. It's, I think this is, I think you might be the smartest podcast on the fucking uh, planet. I'm just too dumb to get it. I just hear the hog stuff. <laughs> So I, can I just jump in at this point and say a little bit that Edward Piss and Banknote would know, which is that for all of the other mysterious ways of the other religions, the Pancakeans, their activities are public, but their ways are inscrutable. So if you need a secret, you need to bring a secret to the Pancakeans. If there's something that you need, information has a value and they are the only ones that truly understand it. They maintain a sense of equilibrium, not just amongst the faiths, but amongst between the people and the trollers. And they are brokers of information's illicit and transgressive inside the city. And they have been this way for a thousand years. If you need to know something, you find a Pancakeian. And the first of them, the first shadow of their order is this eldritch, illustrious and dignified figure whose name, Ben, is... My name is not important. Whose name is... I asked you to come up with a name. And then you said... No, no, that's his name. His name is... K-N-O-T. I am am first shadow of the House of Pancakeans, but given that we are in the presence of not one but four deities, you may call me Ignatius Bum. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mr. Bum, um, first of all, can I say, uh, uh, Ignatius, can I call you Ignatius? Yes, call him Ignatius. Let's all agree to call him Ignatius. Would you rather be Mr. Bum? I would rather be called by my full name, Ignatius (laughs) Bum. Well, uh, Ignatius Bum, as I said before, uh, like your banknote at your service, I know very well that if I want some information out of you, what I must offer you is a secret. That's right. And so I have in my possession. And as you say, as you offer a secret, he turns to a blank page of his ledger and he looks at you suddenly interested. I have, in fact, one of the juiciest secrets of them all. Um, it is regarding my associate here, <laughs> Edward Piss, whose hog you may remember. This is about Edward Piss's hog. I feel like you might be wasting the time of Ignatius Bum. <laughs> I think the time of Ignatius Bum is also a good podcast episode name. Um, I think Bobby, Bobby goes up to the desk in front of everybody and just sort of leans in and just um, says, Ignatius Bum. Um, yes. So, you know who I am. I know who you are. We have based a religion around you. But do you know what I am? You are a god, as our teachings dictate. 
You are the god of secrets. Nothing can be kept from you and all secrets must be offered to you. Very good. Very good indeed. That sounds nice. Um, What is juiciest on the list today? (laughs) (laughs) Even when talking to the god of secrets himself, a secret must be offered up. Bobby Pancakes, what do you offer? Does it have to be juicy? Oh, it has to be juicy. Um, He's really less of a inscrutable like shadow broker and more of a sort of Perez Hilton figure. Yeah. <laughs> they're all sitting. Ar- they're all sitting around like in the TMZ offices, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> How about this then? Would you like this as a secret? The god of love and sadness is a virgin. This is core to everyone the- fucking. <laughs> That's the first commandment, man. That's we met his virgin, his vestal virgin followings. It, what I would, re- what he requires from all of you, a secret that is freely given is no true secret. So if you want his help, he requires a you to tell him a secret that one of your party would wish not to be known. That's what he's looking for—a secret that another dragon friend would rather he not know. That's the stuff. That's the good shit. That's what Ignatius Bum wants. <laughs> <laughs> and in return, you will tell us how to defeat Cassus and the Trollers and free the enslaved peoples of this land. And That's get the lodestone. My understanding is that you come not to praise Cassus as he would have it, but to bury him. You will need the help of all the factions if you wish to achieve this. Ben is so happy about the fact that he just quoted Julius Caesar and nobody is giving him anything. <laughs> no, I just, uh, whatever, man. Who's Julius fucking, Caesar? You fucking did some, some dickens and this was from even before that. Even before that. Um, who's Julius Caesar? Is she yeah, a girl, Julius you know? Caesar? Yes, she was in the polycule with me and the great crag. Anyway, got, yeah. what, ha- what, what happened what between happened? you and Julius Caesar? Yeah. It, was, it was complicated, and I do not wish to discuss it any further. Um, Frieza's going to call a dragon huddle. Frieza's like, oh, okay, can we do a quick dragon huddle? One sec, one second, Mr. Bum. Uh, Please, Ignatius Bum. Ignatius Bum says, I will acquiesce to your so-called huddle, but understand that a secret that is freely offered is no true secret. Wait, so does that mean I've got to tell you something that someone else doesn't want you to know? Is that what you want me to do? Without getting their permission. Once I was walking... What? Okay, here we go. Once I went, I went for a walk and it was raining and I, um, and I went in the pond and I, um, I walked... I was near a pond and I, I me walking in a puddle and me slip over because me running too fast and me fell over and we, me landed on duckling. <laughs> <laughs> Phil accidentally <laughs> slipped over and killed a baby duckling by landing on it and then hid the body and told no one. Yeah, me. Yeah. Um. And she also fucked uh, Banknote's dad. <laughs> what? Oh, hey, what? Hey. <laughs> what? Did we ever fuck? Uh, well, you tell me. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, well... I think if it was a secret, I would happily tell everyone. <laughs> that would be extremely freely given information. <laughs> that's that's pretty amazing. So um, you say this, and you, as you tell this story, Filge, it spills out of Filge like catharsis. As Filge <gasps> oh. just sort of reels out oh. the time that she accidentally sat on a baby duckling. Me still hear the noise it make when me go to sleep at night. And he's like got his pen up and he's like, I'm going to need to record the noise Ready? Uh huh. <laughs> and she's got tears streaming down her face. <laughs> 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 and he writes down an onomatopoeic version of whatever the fuck that was. Yeah, plank. Got it. And then he takes from his next to his hand, and there is a small vellum sack, and he puts his hand into it, and he pulls out a iron disc and the disc has on it a symbol of 
a um, closed eye, and he takes that that little disc and he passes it to you, Filge, and he says, "For when the time comes," and he gives you the little disc. What time? The, when and the time comes. Yeah, which time and when? No, but that's the point. It, just, just put the disc in your pocket. And me ruining the moment? Yeah. Okay. Phil, do you take the eye? Hey, uh, so me feeling pretty raw right now. Anyone else? <laughs> anyone else got any secrets? Me feeling like me really put myself out there. Um, before we go any further, do you see this? Can we beat Cassis? Is there a way to do it? Does it do, do we do all the pancakeians, the force of the pancakeians with the Philgites, with the bastonets? Can can we overthrow them? Cassis is more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Well, actually, I don't, I don't know what you can imagine. Uh, maybe, you can, maybe you can imagine someone really powerful. So, um, in, maybe, in, maybe you could imagine a, a gun that blows up the world yeah. every shot and it has a million shots and fires a million yeah, shots a second. That's probably too powerful. <laughs> You've gone too far. You've well, like a guy di- who has like elephants for arms and like back. rhinoceroses that's, for legs. Like. That's not powerful enough. <laughs> oh, Somewhere yes. between those two power levels. Somewhere, but it's very powerful, is what. What about guy with really big rock and the rock says fart? <laughs> oh, and she, he doesn't want to offend the Phil Giants. Oh, oh, Nelly. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of power that I wouldn't want to meddle with. Jesus Christ, these Phil Giants. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There is a way. <laughs> if, if the power of the four faiths align, that is a power far greater than Cassis. The four twin faiths of Ilinar are the opiate that keep the masses working for him. The trollers are outnumbered in this city and he knows it if you can combine the power of those faiths you can unite this city and we can rise up against that citadel in never and he points up at the citadel floating over the city and there is nothing that we cannot accomplish but if any of these faiths turn against you then i fear for the people and then after he does that big speech he takes a hat and just sort of holds it out Fuck you, I'm doing my best (laughs) uh, Okay, I I guess I don't know how many coins to give you for that What is it, like three copper coins For this? No, that's secrets Give him a secret You want a secret? Okay um, Folding money is (laughs) I'll give you a secret Um, Try this on for size None of us are really gods And we just made it up Just quietly, that was going to be my secret as well, but um, feel free to use it. There's a pause and he looks at you and puts his quill down. We didn't want you to know that. Jeremiah. They build all these religions around us. Jeremiah, leave us. I mean, look, to be honest, I've got less to lose than everyone else because everyone in my religion killed each other. So, um, but, you know. I still would like to be remembered as a god, but now you know I'm not. Hmm. Jeremiah, why don't you take our guests, except for our four, let's continue to call them deities, on a spooktacular trip down the cobblestones. <laughs> Great Clag claps visibly excited. <laughs> oh, come on, I've already seen all the ghosts here. I don't need to go and see another ghost tune. All right, Mr. Piss, let's go. Okay, banknote, Mr. Piss, Six Brother Bedford, Jeremiah Sneed, and 
fucking Ellen Munster, Trotwood, and all of the other very wonderfully named characters of this adventure and season wander upstairs as the figure arthritically gets up from his chair, takes a key from around his neck, and locks the door behind them. Now it is just you and him, the five of you all together in the room. We're not going to do a polycule thing if that what you locked the door for. <laughs> no, no, my friends. I'll take this one for the team. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a secret. I'm really horny. <laughs> Will you come with me? How, do you, how are you spelling that? Sorry. And he... Um, if you... But first, but, but firstly, he, he goes on to ask, if you are not gods, why and how have you come to this place? Wait, you didn't know that? You were the first shadow of the Pancakeans and you didn't know that we weren't gods? Way to let your god down, who's also not a god. <laughs> yes, I think we just called that a washout. <laughs> Because in what likelihood would we be gods? In what likelihood would this whole thing not be an idea cooked up by Cassus to control the masses? Well, you know, he says, and he turns to a different section in his book, and he says, I do have one theory, if you will just give me a moment. Sure. Do you know the name Vowel? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, S, we sort of make it our business to come into contact and to collect artifacts from old Netheril. When I was a younger man, I found a diary of hers. You see, she was taken down in that air crash uh, that's the kick to this whole fiasco off, but she lived long enough to write some things down. And as he says this, as he says this, he moves, he's searching through his book and then he finds a chapter at the very back of this very large book where cut into the illuminated script is a little container and inside that container is a key and he takes that key and he walks over to his desk and there's a very small drawer at the bottom and he opens it and pulls it out and you can see what looks like an incredibly old book. As he, and next to it, a pair of archivist's silk gloves, which he puts on, takes the book and puts it on his desk. Don't touch this, only I have the special gloves. <laughs> can Do I have I a... the gloves? No. You can't have a go of the gloves. Get your own gloves. Well, where'd you get the gloves from? I got them from the shop. <laughs> <laughs> Another fantastic podcast title. <laughs> There's something so funny about someone grumpily saying, I got them from the shop. <laughs> you want gloves, you go to the glove shop. Gloves. Not even the glove shop, just the, the, shop. the shop. No, no information, just completely unhelpful and so grumpy. I came into this into possession of this diary when I was younger, and it tells the story, which may sound familiar, of four time travellers, or chrononauts, as Val calls them, who were sent forward and backward in time through old Netherese magic. Is this ringing any bells? Big time. Yeah. yeah. That's ding, right. that's ding dong, keep going. And when I read that, <laughs> I had something of a revelation. Everything around me, everything that I had built my life on up until that point was a lie. But do you know what I realised? I realised that some lies are as useful as secrets. And if Val was right, which that was a big if, you would one day come back. So I dedicated my entire life to waiting and waiting until that day came. It was touch and go for a while. I was sick with uh, colic of the dick and almost passed away five five years ago. And that would have been lousy. Colic of the dick? Yeah. It's a horrible disease where your dick gets colic. And 
the is it hum- like a little cough? The humors like a in your dick align in a yeah. Your dick just coughs and little bits of dust come out. <laughs> Wait, your dick your dick has different humors to your body? Oh, I mean, I don't know who's asking this, but read a fucking book. <laughs> Not this one. You don't have the gloves. What are the humors? No, I'm not, I'm, I'm, what are the humors of the dick, Ben? You can't get away from this this easily. Colic what? and stiffy. <laughs> are you talking about like having a phlegmatic dick and a sanguine dick? Yeah, all those things. Just but floppy. I survived and was here when 1,000 I'm sorry, how did you catch colic of the dick? How does one... Where did you get it? Is it... I was was in a polycule. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I heard he got it from Julius Caesar. (laughs) (laughs) That was the secret that I dared not tell. She had colic of the pussy. (laughs) No, all right, stop it. No, no, we are doing this. I know it's hard. I know it's locked down. I know that we've been doing more of these than we thought we were going to do. And every two weeks, Ben gets in his car and we try and record an episode of Dragon Friends. But we are stopping this right now. And I've been bad. I've I've helped, but I am drawing a line in the sand as the grown-up on this podcast. And we are not going to go into whether or not... What is his name? Ignatius Ignatius Bum. Got a case of colic of the dick yep. from Julius Caesar. Who from had? Caesar, from who had? <laughs> another colic. A vaginal colic. <laughs> what, right. what was it, Alex? He didn't. He It was. It was colic of the pussy. Okay. <laughs> and don't right, I won't on, sit here, Dave. On. I won't sit here, Dave, while you erase the experience of Julius Caesar. Uh-huh. Okay. Because, because Classic she pussy erasure. <laughs> she got it from Cleopatra. <laughs> okay, now okay, we're back so, on track. We're back on track, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited until one thousand years after uh, Val. Not, not for me. It wasn't a thousand years for me. I'm a normal person, so it was sort of you know, I'm, I'm old. Uh, but 1,000 years since she said she sent you forward, you would arrive. And it was touch and go for a second time because my anus fell off. <laughs> Sorry, your name is Ignatius Bum yeah. and you have no anus right now? <laughs> I got better. <laughs> What's the opposite of a Dickensian name? You know in D- Dickensian names how it's like, you know, um, Mr. Thievery will be a robber or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. That's not really. That's not Dickensian. You're talking about romantic theater, like Mr. Oh, Tottering. sure, whatever. What's the opposite of that then? <laughs> like, if you have someone called Ignatius Bum and their bum falls off, yeah, that's is that the, like an ironic. That's the Ignatius Bum irony. principle. Um, it's it's made famous <laughs> yeah. by Tolstoy. In I think actually it was Anton Chekhov that said yes. that if a character is called Ignatius Bum and their bum falls off before the third act, <laughs> that's fucking drama, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Secret for secret after Filch told that real crook story about the duckling. As you have guessed, Bobby, as I suppose in some ways, ironically, you do have the power of the God of Secrets. That is mine. That I have known almost from the beginning that you are a fraud. And so I guess I have a secret on you, which is that you have willfully led these people to worship a false god. Using the power. And we know that your bum fell off. <laughs> <laughs> he right. That's not Two a secrets. secret. That's Two not secrets. Secret. That's a lie. You just lied to those people and you say that that is what's kept them under thumb for so long. In many ways, you are part of the problem. Well, You've don't... been maintaining the myth of Bobby Pancakes, the god, to get people into the factories to have their juice sucked out. For Carsis. Bobby, I never claimed to be a nice person. And what's more, what little I've been able to find out about you from the readings that I've done, I don't think you're a particularly nice person either. <gasps> I think you're a particularly nice person either. See, it's exactly that sort of thing, the thing you just did with your voice. <laughs> but it seems... But, it's, but he goes on to say, it seems you have me at an impasse. 
You are not wrong. We have, as they say, leverage on each other. So. I mean, I could snap that guy. Bob, you want me to snap that guy? Yeah, I could touch the book with my fingerless gloves. Yeah, I mean, my gloveless fingers. What's stopping us from just getting the little book and the big book and just like I know, taking it I, into the center of town and I know many ma- secrets? I know many secrets, and as you would surely know, a secret known by all has no value. So if you wish to benefit from what I know, I can help you however you can. What do you need? What is your plan? What purpose do time travelers such as the four of you have here, masquerading as gods? What is your end game? Look, I know I kind of fucked up that moment back at the temple, but there's time. There's still time for us all. Two roads. One to the north, to the blade yard, and into the past. But before we take that road, it seems that we must destroy Cassus and pull that thing pointing to the pyramid out of the sky. How do we do that? Me have sad idea. If it's true that the religion is what keep everyone doing what Cassus say, we gotta tell everyone the truth. Even though me really like being God freezer. Me know why you did all that stuff in that other season. <laughs> <laughs> it rules. It's so fun. I but I think I think we gotta we gotta tell everyone we're not gods, and then maybe that will lead to maybe they'll be so inspired by the fact that their lives are a lie that they will rise up against Cassus. No, I get right. the logic here. I get the logic here that like the, that he's been lying to them and maybe that'll... They're taking away the opiates of the masses. And if we know That's one right. thing about people who are addicted to opiates, it's cutting them off cold turkey <laughs> is the best and healthy thing to do. Ah. <laughs> but how are we going to let them down? We're so inspiring. I know. Well, here's the other option. We just let this timeline go on its merry way into further dystopian ruin and we just get our hands on a little lodestone and head on the fuck out of here and leave them to their own devices. We should be a non-interventionist series of fake gods. That's that's my opinion. This is coming from a guy who fucked up his own religion, all right? This is the words of a guy without a religion. Well, none of you really have religions. You've just got, I mean, you you don't have real religions. You're all fake, fake gods. How dare you? I? I have brought faith in my absence. I have brought faith to several dozen people that I know of, that I've directly encountered, you know, and interacted with. So, look, my religion's doing a great job. Just because psychopaths follow you is not my fault. Well, not okay, anymore, okay, they okay, don't. Okay, okay, Listen, we don't have to fix anything. We just have to tear down what we've made. So, let's sow some chaos. That resolves us, right? That that, that, that that sort of sets the moral compass back to. Oh, because our because our original mistake was telling everyone we God. So yeah, we tell people we're not gods. It's, you know, it's like maybe it undoes everything. Yeah, yeah. some logic there. Yeah, all right. And you know, if stuff goes to shit, we hit that MF lodestone. <laughs> <laughs> I am not sure that you rem- remember that I am still here. <laughs> <laughs> And unfortunately, hitting that MF lodestone <laughs> is something that I simply cannot allow you to do. In the time since reading Val's diaries, I've become something of a freak about the physics and the metaphysics behind chronomancy. And it, I'm of the opinion, and I've spoken to several scholars from your institution about this. Oh, wait, you're not in the room anymore. Well, I've spoken to people from a building <laughs> about this. And there is a theory, a compelling theory, that if you leave and smash, as you say, that MF lodestone, then everything that I can see and touch and feel and remember will cease to be. I'm afraid I cannot allow that to happen because I, even though I'm old and once had colic of the dick and had my bum fall off, am sort of attached to existing. So, you see the pickle that I'm in. If you leave, there is a chance. I'm not saying a certainty, but I'm saying a pretty good chance that everything around will cease. 
All right, Dave, is there anyone else in the room or is it just the old man? It seems that you are in a room that is locked by him by a key around his neck and is otherwise empty. Bear in mind, he is the head of a church that is called the Church of Secrets. So do you think there's going to be secret traps in this room, Dave? Is that what you're saying? I am not. A, I am an impartial observer to whatever you're about to do. <laughs> Me think maybe we throw, we throw over to Bobby for this one, maybe. It's his, his guy. Uh, well, I mean, my instinct is to raise my crossbow to Ignatius Bum. Sorry, to Mr. Ignatius Bum or to Ignatius's Bum? <laughs> to Mr. Ignatius Bum. Bobby very slowly and cautiously and carefully raises the hand crossbow that he found in his adventures up until it is pointing at the chest of Mr. Ignatius Bum. The way I see it is you could take the chance of ceasing to be when we leave or you can cease to be right now. Ooh, ice cold. He ice looks, cold, Bobby. He looks at you and he smiles softly and he says, I am not afraid of dying here today. Wait, but you're attached to living? Yes, yeah, so what Seems are you like afraid of, kind of gone back on I yourself. am attached to every being on this planet, universe, situation thing. Why? Because they were in your polycule. <laughs> Can we cut that out? I am a man with not long left, but I have children and I have grandchildren and I have friends and I just like people to exist. I don't need to personally benefit from being around. What kind of freaks are you that you can't see that? As you look at that, you realise, Bobby, that his eyes are shining with the light of a true zealot, a fanatic. This is not about his own life. This is about preserving the life of the universe he currently occupies. Well, let's put it this way. You may not think I'm a very nice person, and that may be so. But we are still here. We came here instead of going straight to the lodestone because we want to fix what we started. So, why don't we do that first? And then we can discuss the rest of it. What say you? Make for me a persuasion check. Big old dice time. 13. I will remind you, Alex, that you have an inspiration dice from your speech. If you want to use it. I do. Before I tell you if that was good enough, you can make the decision if you want to use it. Use it. I reckon it wasn't good enough, otherwise yeah. he wouldn't have offered you the trade. Also, just absolutely, the that's classic Dave. Also, just uh, as a bit of a Daveologist, uh, I, I <laughs> think from his voice that was that was bullshit. That was not good. Can I add? Can I add a, something? Yeah, you can. Yep. What do you want to do? Um, I'm going to raise my weapon. I'm going to raise my thunder's wake, menacingly, and I will say, "You call us false gods, bum." <laughs> but what is a god? What is a religion but an idea that people have faith in, that people believe in? Help us craft a new idea. Let that idea spread. Let the Secrets aren't powerful if everyone knows them, but ideas are powerful. And if everyone knows them, then they're even more powerful. I didn't stick it, did I? Make, make for me, using the advantage roll, make for me, Simon, a second roll so I can get your highest persuasion score. Um, Dave, um, it's a four. Okay, 13. 13 was your highest roll. Ignatius Bum looks at you, smiles softly and says, you know, you're not really very persuasive. Not as persuasive as gods, perhaps as persuasive as time travellers a long way from home. But you do speak sense. Obviously, I am not a fool, and this city is under oppression of an iron fist. You may not be allies to me, but you can still serve a purpose as enemies to my enemies. If I can help you with that, without betraying my people and my purpose... 
And if I can know that we will persevere, I see no reason why we cannot work together. Where do you wish to go? To take down the pyramid in the sky. Bring me your stone ways, travelers, the rock formations. I have maps of the bottom of never I can show them. No, doubtlessly they can find you a path up into the citadel that floats above us all. And as he looks at you, he takes his hand and he places it into the bag and he draws out three more tokens, each with a closed eye. And he hands one to Frizo and he hands one to Bobby and he hands one to Baston. And he says, let this be our compact. Let this be our accord. You have done what they said would not be done. For now, at least, the faiths of this city are working together. And if they can point themselves at salvation for its people, who knows yet what we may accomplish if we work as one. And as he says that, he makes a mark in his book, closes it, and puts his hand on the book and indicates for all of you to put your hands on top of his. Okay, hands in, hands in, everybody, hands in. Hands in. Hands in. Oh, Dragon friends. friends! And Ignatius Bomb! Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and picture, if you will, a man who was trying to create a moment that has become slightly diminished, perhaps, by a tawdry teenage chant, nevertheless has begun something important because here in a city persecuted, a city under the grip of a tyrant who should never have amassed as much power as this, one without an adversary for too long, one entombed now in a citadel, destined to rule over a people from which he no longer draws joy and yet controls them still with the cunning of the Pancakians, with the strength of the Philgites, with the raw empathy of the Bastonets, and with, I guess, Frizo Frizovison, level 9 <laughs> warlock, because he killed everyone else. Who knows what may yet be accomplished to find out what that may be. Tune in to the next episode of The Dragon Friends... Thank you! The Dragon Friends are Alex Lee, Eden Lacey, Simon Griner, and Michael Hing. Our Dungeon Master is Dave Harmon with NPC voices provided by Ben Jenkins and live accompaniments by Tom Cardi. Shakira Khan is our producer. The podcast is edited, mixed, and mastered by me, Hugh Guest, and this episode was recorded from our homes in this upsettingly long return to the age of isolation. Until next time. Friendship is forever, friendship never ends, it doesn't matter what time you're in, you're still a dragon friend! A fucking dragon friend! What is a god but someone whose fate lies in their hands? Wait, let me do that again. Okay, I will let you do that again because I think you really didn't stick the landing there. And I could feel that you were you were really gearing up to something. So from the top, felt good. Felt good. <laughs> do you want? To, from you, the I top, mean, you, you got to do you, just Bobby. Do you, do, you, do you want to do it? Do you know what he says? It's COVID, and everyone gets a second chance. <laughs> and he says he says to uh, he says into like a little kind of pipe system that leads somewhere else. He says, Hugh, don't worry about cutting that. That's my archivist, Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> and Phil just like, please, please cut it. It'll be better. It'll be a great. We're heading towards the ending for the show, Hugh. It would be really good if we, you know, just nailed that moment. But you know, well, it's up to you, Hugh, isn't it, Hugh, the archivist? <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.